your host, Lenny Burnham, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about the Korean Netflix show, uh, Kingdom, which is based on Kingdom of the Gods by Yoon In-Won, and my guest this month is Alayam Lockney, who is the producer and editor of this very show. Those are true things about me. And we're also joined by Harvey, who hates yes. my motherfucking guts. going to be a lot of Harvey in the background. Yeah, you know, like a light staccato for the episode. Hello, everybody. My name is Alayam. I do the things that Lenny just did and occasionally do other podcasts. Um, yeah, I suggested this because I'm sorry. Because uh, I'm a huge fan of the Netflix show. Um, I got into it like when the first season released and then uh, watched the second season very recently and fell like back in love with it and decided that I was going to read uh, the source material. Lenny, this is your first... Uh, it's I guess it's technically not a manga. Apparently in South Korea, they're called manhwa, especially because it's like a, that's like a webcomic thing. Because yeah, this used to be a webcomic. I wonder... That's the other thing that I've been thinking about is because I know... Uh, uh, because this is about to literally be my job. Um... <laughs> It, the, a lot of like South Korean web comics, they do the infinite canvas thing because the idea being that you're like scrolling on an app, so it just goes down, 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 down. And something that I really liked in the manhwa is that the the paneling is like gorgeous. I think it's like one of the strongest parts of it. Um, and I wonder what was if if that was like changed in uh, adaptation from web comic to localized like print manhwa. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was very interesting because the 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 manhwa and the show are like not radically different in concept, but like in actual like content and execution are so different, you know? Um yeah, I so I read the book first and then watched the show um opposite view. Uh and yeah, this is an example kind of like uh Friday Night Lights where they don't actually have any characters in common or the exact story it's mainly that they both take place during the same dynasty and they both involve zombies um, so what were some of the biggest things uh, that jumped out at you when you started reading reading the book instead oh well obviously that the crown prince is just a little boy like <laughs> yeah. our like our yelling lad back there um i think i it, it's very interesting the, the, did you read the, like, I don't know what edition or whatever you got, but did you read the, like, brief interview with the author at the end? Yeah. It's very interesting. The 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 interviewer asks, uh, like, hey, what do you, if you ever get to adapt this? Because I think the, the manhwa feels like a pilot. Um, or, or just, like, a, a proof of concept. Um, though the art is, like, obviously very gorgeous. But the, the in the interview, the author talks about, like, yeah, I'm actually very interested, and I think a thing that I will have to change is that the crown prince just can't be a little boy. Like, there has to I, there has to be some sort of arc we have to, like, see the crown prince grow up. And obviously that got flattened into just, like, he's a fucking adult now. Uh, and then we get, like, light flashbacks to the king being like, oh, here's your, you know, birthright, your your responsibility that you might inherit from me one day or whatever. Um, so I think that, like, that is the biggest one and I think is the most interesting because I, I kind of don't like just the little child because it's like I, I don't know kids aren't very interesting they don't have very rich interior lives ripped to kids sorry but like just hmm I, I think that there's a much more complex moral arc that the crown prince can like 
go through as opposed to just the the expression of childish innocence and and valor of like i'm gonna i'm gonna be the king one day and i'm gonna fix all the fucked up shit in my fuck country like um i think that's like the biggest difference that i noticed that's the smartest and then obviously like the bandit character from the manhwa gets kind of like split up and spread out across a series of characters i feel like that that is also i think the other thing that gets changed for the better is is that's kind of almost like a very um it's very tropey very very tropey of like oh the bandit you're gonna win me over because you're a kid or whatever you're my my moral foil um and there's like a, a much broader range of characters that like communicate the ideas expressed within that bandit in the show and i think that also works a lot better yeah and there's and then the third character the, the doctor, doctor woman yeah. i i felt like was sort of someone who i really missed in the show um i don't know i didn't feel like there was another really strong woman character in the show as much and i did uh i did enjoy the, the doctor in it mm-hmm yeah, I, I don't know. I definitely think season two is again like, because I think this is my this is my big observation for the show too. Is the entire show also kind of feels like a pilot? Like all of season one is like, all right, like there's like setup stuff, and particularly like having seen season two in that last episode, there's a lot of very very direct um, setups that they are doing. Not just in terms of like plot beats, because obviously like the the reveal at the end that the queen has never been pregnant or whatever is is a, is like a big reveal or whatever but there's like lots more subtle things like that the gazebo where lord cho tells the the queen like uh that god that's that's one of my favorite lines is when he's like power is getting to to like elude the responsibility for all the bodies that i've put in this pond which is a great thing but like that's that setting in that that like gazebo is a uh it's like a site of a major event in the climax of season two and so like more subtle things like that but yeah just like a lot of those characters are pretty static in the first season i think yeah yeah i think that's a big thing with both um the show and the book uh it's just like it yeah feeling like a setup like uh the book, especially because there's another, there's two books in, um, there's two, like, unrelated stories in yeah. that, that book, uh, you, like, get to the end of it, and you're like, oh, like, that's the end of it, like, it yeah. just ends, and I think, uh, like, in the, sh in the show, it sort of makes sense to end on a cliffhanger, but it is still, like, it is only six episodes, and does end really suddenly, and I do sort of wish, um, uh, this is sort of a general thing about Netflix shows, but instead of having that feeling of it being, like, a very long pilot, it would have been cool if this was made into, like, a full real show along... Like, I could so ima easily imagine this being, like, Xena, you know, where it's, like, the prince is traveling around and there's an adventure in every episode amongst all these longer things. Yeah, you're right. Like, that, that, that was the other thing. You're totally right. That totally caught me off guard in the source material is I was like... Who the fuck? Who the fuck? Like what? <laughs> There's no fucking crime island on on the show. Um, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put him on crime island. I'm gonna put little Harvey on crime island. He absolutely deserves to go to crime island for being a little devil. Um, yeah, no, just I, like I. That, that's the other thing is like I didn't hate the the second story in the source, but I was just kind of like, 
what the fuck is this? Like, was this conceived as is more like? I guess the term would be like anth- anthological, uh, or or was it just like was one the favorite, and so the author decided like, okay, that's going to be the focus of this show when I actually get the chance to adapt it. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting publishing decision, and like just like knowing that it was based on a web series, I mm-hmm. like expected this to have like a lot of little adventures, you know, mm-hmm. and then like uh, when you realize like that's it, and it doesn't like sound like there's a plan for like another volume of Kingdom of the Gods. Yeah. Um, uh, which is fine, but it was just like very jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, to like the fact that they published it like it just seemed like they realized it was short, so they put in this unrelated story, which I did really really enjoy. Um, but uh, yeah, it was an interesting decision. I feel like it would have made more sense if there had been like either like a lot more volumes, like you know, yeah. like six unrelated stories in there, um, or something. Um, cause, yeah. yeah. I would. Li- I'd like to know more about the like publishing decision there. Yeah, like as, as a reader of web comics, like I, a lot of the stuff. I mean, like obviously it follows like the typical comic shit. Like this is our arc or whatever, and then like we are telling a broader story, but then these are the arcs within it of like of of a of a story of this um, genre specifically. Like sure, slice of life shit. Like can kind of go run the gamut in terms of like story structure, but like. Stuff like this definitely feels... I mean, it's why I was so surprised to turn that page to book two and be like, oh, book two is actually a different book, I guess. Like, because uh, um, I was expecting to be like, okay, this is the setup, that first arc is concluded, and now we will get into, like, he wants to become the king or some shit. Yeah, I almost expected, like, a third story that, like, brought everything together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. Like, I think... I guess we're kind of getting away from the actual content of the show, though. Like, I do think that it is smart of them to just, like, pick a lane. Because, like, I, 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 it's a little scattershot with, like... There's, there's, like, a pirate captain who's, like, a fucking Resident Evil monster, basically. Yeah. Like, grown biomass. I, I, yeah, there's... The second story, Burning Hell, is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, yeah, is really cool because it is just like they're like throwing stuff against the wall to make it just like as the most violent stuff possible. Yeah. I think that could probably make a really good movie. I don't know about a TV show. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny how different it is. And part of me wonders if it was a budgetary decision like in the creative process. Because that's the other thing that I, I enjoyed reading the interview was the interviewer is like, oh, what would you do if you were going to adapt this? And the author's like, well, I sure fucking wouldn't do this, that, and that, because right. when you're writing a thing, you have to conceive of, like, the budget of, of, like, what you can actually portray on the screen, which is, like, I think why... Something I do really like about Kingdom is I think it's a very well-produced show, and a lot of the effects work is, like, very convincing and good, uh, partly because when they're showing zombies on screen or whatever, they usually keep it pretty tight and there's not, you're not like overwhelmed. And and so they can budget for makeup where like you can do more detail on each zombie because uh, there are fewer zombies to do makeup on. Like if you watched, when was the last time you watched The Walking Dead? That Uh, godforsaken show. Yeah, I think I watched some of the most recent seasons a while ago. I remember specifically, like I really liked the first season, the Frank Darabont stuff, and then season two rolled around and I was like, this is weird. And that was like the first time in my life when I 
notice like makeup budgeting and, and shit like that because there were so many zombies and you could see like okay well we don't have the money to like make this like really intricate zombie design we'll just put some like pale skin makeup on you and chuck you in front of a camera maybe throw some dirty clothes um and like i think kingdom does a smart job about okay this scene is like lit dark so we don't need to we don't need to like dress this person up in this way or whatever or we only have x amount of zombies on screen so we can put a lot of detail on them and then in that final like closing scene when the the mass of zombies is rushing towards the camera like the, you, they have so many fucking people and you can't see any of their faces or anything because they're shrouded in darkness and mist and so like it it just sells really convincingly um and i liked that the writer very clearly was thinking about that as as he was conceiving of what the show would eventually look like and i think that it plays out it's, uh, particularly in season two as well which gets like a little bit more ambitious but you can tell still that the team is like thinking about like okay how do we like how do we shoot this to make it like look the best and how do we make everybody look as good as they should um with the budget that we're working with i think i think it's a very smartly produced show yeah i agree they're definitely very smart about that stuff especially like there's there's a lot of stuff where instead of like showing that action there's a lot of like people like coming up to the scene and like realizing like oh something has happened here like there was some sort of massacre here yeah. um which uh builds a lot of suspense really well and then also obviously it's good for the budget yeah and also just really striking visuals you can i, I don't know just specifically in that first episode when um, Subi, Duna Bay's character comes out and sees her, like, uh, uh, medical assistant or whatever, li literally mashed in, in that mosh pit mass of zombies being, like, eaten alive. Like, that's such a fucking striking, cool image, but also masks, like, you don't need, we, presumably she's being, like, torn open and shit like that or whatever, but because she's, like, draped almost in these bodies we don't necessarily see that we just see her like head jostling as she's like dying of pain or whatever um god yeah that's a, there's some shit in this show that just is like good horror stuff that puts me on fucking edge uh i know um something i came across a lot when i was looking at sort of like reviews and uh recaps of this show is um a lot of people like saying it sort of like subverts or like redefines uh the zombie genre um which like i, I don't i don't really know yeah. anything about it uh so that was something i kind of wanted to ask you about because i was like i don't know there's like zombies that run away from them i don't like know enough to judge that i would not go go so far as to call this a subversion okay. like i think definitely there it is it's playing with themes in slightly in unique ways like particularly like culturally unique ways um because obviously like south korea's relationship with the the the, the dynamics and imbalances of governmental power is like kind of is is unique to it and and it has its own unique history like this is this takes place after the battle of i believe it's called imjin um where there's something like 500, a real historical battle as far as I'm aware, 500 South Korean soldiers fought off something like 30,000 um, Japanese soldiers. Like, it's playing with the history of Japanese imperialism in Korea and its effects 
in ways that are like unique to South Korea and th that we don't experience in the U.S. Because um, like I don't know, zombie shit got like its big resurgence in the U.S. after 9/11. I think because like we all freaked out about like an other or whatever and a, and a mass and a horde or whatever, and it was and. I, th I don't know. Like, it doesn't map one-to-one, -one and zombie stories kind of run the gamut thematically, but, like, that's that's when zombie shit got big in the States, because we fear, like, an invasion or whatever. Um, and now, uh, versus, like, in in this story, and I, even in things like uh, uh, Train to Busan, like, that story is dealing with class and power in ways that the zombie genre is like no stranger to like fucking Romero uh, like foundational text there but um, Train to Busan is like directly inspired by this event where some ship was carrying a bunch of students and all the like wealthy people got off the ship while it was sinking and let all these students die with some like 400 kids um and like Train to Busan is, is inspired by that. And so the ways that the zombies like manifest is different there. But then here, I think particularly the way that it affects it and springs up in the, the like lower class of people is, is unique because it's drawing on the starvation and famine that happened as the feudal government hoarded its resources um, out of like fear during this like uh, imperialist campaign that Japan was waging against Korea um, and the the idea that eating the flesh of the dead because like at a certain point like that's all these people had to eat or whatever um, is what would create the zombie virus and then uh, uh, like flesh out from there is I think an interesting and unique cultural take on what zombies are like I know there's like the resurrection plant or whatever but literally what what uh, and they introduced a complicated in season two that um, it, it, eating the flesh of uh, infected creates like a new strain. It mutates the virus or whatever. Um, so it is still like directly related to starvation and the the like the conditions that were artificially created by a neglectful and selfish feudal government or whatever. Um, and I do think that that is kind of what makes this show unique in within the the class like genre tropes of zombie fiction. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, probably one of the big similarities between the show and the book is that element of all of this happening because because people are starving and they had to eat the food. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't know. It was like it was a very good opportunity for me to like read about like world history and shit like that. Like it's fucking fascinating. I I did not realize. Like, I know that Japan was, like, considered a, a deeply imperialist nation for a very long time, um, but I just had not read about, like, the specifics and particularly how it related to Korea, and it, it's just, like, fascinating shit, you know? Yeah, I don't know. What did, what, what did you think? Like, that's that's the thing. I, that, okay, that is the other thing I think about this, is the setting, the, the not just the time, but, like, the place, I think, is... is you, I, I don't know. I think a lot of zombie fiction is mired in modernity. <laughs> you know, reject modernity or whatever. Um, embrace feudal tradition. But I think there's this fascination with, like, oh, but what would I do in this scenario? That is, like, 
kind of fun to indulge in, but has grown incredibly fucking obnoxious and tedious, I think. I also think, like, a lot of the... A lot of the appeal of the zombie apocalypse now is just like, what if I didn't have to go to work? Yeah, it's fighting zombies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what if there was like something that I, that could occupy my time? Yeah, I don't know. Like, that's the strongest part of this to me is that that the the setting is not, oh, you know, these these densely packed cities. These this this show stretches across like provinces and whatever. Like people, people are getting on fucking boats and shit like that, um, and and I, I, it's it's nicer to to have to think about and rationalize zomb the mechanics of zombies and zombification and hordes and blah 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 all the all the all the, the verbiage that we're familiar with with the genre within a more I guess med- medieval is not the right word, but like a feudal context, you know, like a more pastoral, like we are out there open fields and stuff. We can't like lose them in an alley or some shit like that. Like the the big season two opener is the zombies like laying siege on that city. And it's fucking fascinating stuff. Like I like at the end of the day, I'm a huge zombie sucker because like the mechanics are kind of cool. And I know I just bragged on it, but like, what would I do, you know? Like, literally, m- fucking Max Brooks wrote two, like, two of the most interesting bits of, like, zombie speculative fiction I've ever read or, like, engaged with. Um, because that fundamental question of, like, okay, mechanically, though, what do you do about a zombie apocalypse on, like, a... Not just, like, a... Do I stab them in the brain with a knife or shoot them or whatever? Um, but, like, on an infrastructural level. Like, that's what's so cool about World War Z... Um, the book, not the movie, um, uh, is, is Max Brooks thinking like, okay, like, but if it was France, they would get into the tunnels in the catacombs. And what do we do about that? Because we can't risk an infection resurgence. And that's obviously a huge problem. So how do we, how do we deal with that? And what, what does it look like for the people who have to go into the fucking unmapped catacombs that are pitch dark? to deal with zombies like and i think that's what's cool about this because like <laughs> i feel like this show uh kind of naturally um begs comparison to game of thrones because it's a political thriller with zombies and obviously that's very different that's a fantasy setting and this is like outside of the zombie shit pretty grounded um but unlike game of thrones where it's very clear that neither Martin or the uh, uh, what what are their fucking names were those two idiots? Uh, I'm I'm only used to people calling them D and D. I don't remember their full names. Yeah, th- those two. Um, uh, clearly, just like had no conception of like what actually happens when because I mean like literally like the one big fucking battle with the Nightwalkers is like pitch dark. You can't actually really see anything, and they're just drogger. Like they're just they're just I don't know more resilient soldiers. They're not zombies really. Um, Whereas this is more concerned with, like, okay, the zombies are here and they are interfacing with the the architecture, infrastructure, city, town, layout, whatever, of feudal Korea. Like, what does that actually look like? How do they fight off that menace? Um, and that is, like, very, I think, unique in terms of the genre as well. Yeah, and I think the, the politics and the... Um, the politics and the zombie stuff are so strongly tied together in yeah. Kingdom. Um, like, as we talked about 
it is literally caused by the fact that they let the people starve. Um, no, Game of Thrones, um, the fact, I feel like, uh, the fact that they're letting people starve and the fact that they're ignoring the zombies are definitely related in terms of, like, showing that, like, the kings are, like, dumbasses and mm -hmm. are, like, fighting over the throne while everyone is starving and there is also zombies that they're not worrying about. Yeah. But, um, you don't get a stronger connection and I think on, um, I mean, on Game of Thrones, it's very, I think, uh, inspired by, like, climate change. Even though it was first written in the 90s, I still feel like it was probably... Yeah, I mean, um, we've been doing, we've been seeing, yes. I don't know, that yeah. that freak Al Gore's been shouting about this yeah. for however long. Um, it's, uh, so it's, like, very intentional to have, um, it be this, like, really peripheral thing that they're sometimes, like, should we also be worried about the zombies? And the rulers are like, no! Um, which definitely, like, has its own merits and is, like, strong political commentary, but I did think, like, this take on, um, on how those things interact was very different and interesting. Yeah, like, not to, not to go, like, too deeply into Game of Thrones, but, like, I, which I like a lot of that story, um, but very early on, I grew, like, deeply skeptical and disinterested with the fundamental premise of the White Walkers, because I was, like... All right. Well, basically, what's gonna happen is is what happened. It's like they're they're gonna show up at the end, and it's not gonna be very interesting. The implications are going to be profoundly flat, and like it's not gonna go anywhere. And it didn't. And it, and like maybe if Martin ever writes that fucking book, maybe you know I'll crow. But like that's the thing that's so different, and 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 I, I don't know, like watchword, but like compelling about Kingdom to me is that. The, the zombies are constantly touching and pushing themselves into the world in, in tangible ways. Like, we, we can't, like, okay, we can't be in this city anymore. We have to go over here. Like, this is going to change the dynamics of, of the politics. I mean, literally having the motherfucking king of Korea, of South Korea, be a zombie is, a, is, is to, to, like preserve technically his lifespan ergo his rule so that way when the queen gives birth they have a better claim to the throne than the like illegitimate child of a concubine um is like really good it's a fucking great shit and like and is is a good way to express literally the selfishness and the, 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 I don't know, the theme of consolidation of power, et cetera, and how it hurts other people by having them literally, like, fucking they are the ones making the zombies, and the zombies are a representation of that, but they are also, like, they're not just a, a representation of an idea. They are the, like, direct manifestation of it, and it's so fucking good. Like, I love that shit. Damn, they made a good fucking story, bro! Yeah, there's a lot of good details in it. I think, like, the scene where someone is, starts, like, selling talismans that will protect you from the zombies. Mm -hmm. And even just, I don't know, like, and I think, I think it's good that the crown prince is our anchor character. Like, I think that there's some kind of cloying fucking bullshit of, like, oh, he cares that the people are hungry. Like, he's a good guy. Get it? He's one of the good ones. But, like, I do, like, that's the thing is, and, and to go back to kind of what we were talking about with, like, the little boy versus the adult man, is I like that when the thing starts out, he is literally conspiring to kill his dad. 
or or de- depose his father out of like out of self-interest and out of a sort of i don't know the the, the sort of common selfishness that he as a member of the ruling class shares with his other members or whatever because like if if the queen gives birth as she is pretending to do um then he's fucked and he'll get killed and like yeah he's like technically the self-preservation angle is more legitimate than like lord cho and his daughter being like we just want claim to the throne um but it, it is like it's good i like that the prince starts out kind of self as a self-interested agent of his own state um not like and then and then you know like we get the typical arc bullshit of like oh you know he sees a poor person so he'll get better now but like i think it is good and interesting to have and why it's better that he's an adult as opposed to uh, like a naive valorant little boy is that he can dip his toe into that like inherent corruption within power um, and I like that a lot about the show. Oh, it's so funny when you were, when you uh, brought up the boy prince. Um, I was thinking like I think that stuff like works so much better with kids because uh, that sort of stuff of like oh he sees a starving person and he'll be better. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I think that stuff like really only works with like kid royalty where they'll be like I'm gonna do a good job and you're like oh bless your heart. No, <laughs> not. Yeah, yeah. I I, huh. I I think so. I think it just. I, I agree with you, but personally, I think it it allows him to be more of an active agent in like the mechanics of that world. Because when otherwise, like it would constantly be him te- telling his bodyguard, "Go kill that zombie for yeah, me." Yeah, sure. um, and and because I I don't think that child would have started out like evil or whatever. Um, I don't know. Like that is, I think that is a good point, and it's interesting to see the ways that the sort of childlike origins of that character kind of are retained in uh, in the show. Because I definitely think that I don't know, based on what we talked about, and also the way that the show is constantly reminding is is constantly pairing the current crown prince with his his child self in the flashbacks. That there is that we are meant to draw a direct comparison and find the crown prince somewhat childlike. Not 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 just like sheltered in the way that he obviously is, but like literally like a child. That I think you're right, does not totally play in the show. Yeah, I definitely see that. It's uh, it's, uh very like sort of book smart, like he's, uh, he's always thinking of like mm-hmm. things in this sort of intellectual way that like doesn't apply to the like practical real world at all which i think is is a good take if you're gonna gonna turn the character into an adult yeah yeah um i do i don't know like i do like the other characters as well too like definitely they are a little more static which i think like i actually they're they're uh uh uh, magistrate cho the kind of like shitty nephew of lord cho i like his character a lot and because in season two he, like, does not become a better person. Like, they keep on, like... <laughs> like, so many... They constantly trust him with shit, and he constantly fuck Like, not fucks it up, but, like, intentionally makes the wrong selfish decision, and I like that a lot. Um, but, like, the... I, like, I promise you, like, if, if, you, if you were, like, a little... If you found shit to be kind of, like, spinning in the mud... I promise you that season two does not do that. Like, there are major character deaths. Like, people change and grow and mature. 
um, all the shit with the 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 queen trying to fake pregnancy to get a male heir is fucking blood curdling. It's incredible stuff. Yeah. I do like that they're just doing uh, Glee season one, but as a terrifying horror plot. Do does somebody constantly fake a pregnancy? Oh, did you not know that? <laughs> I've yeah. never seen okay. Glee because I so, hate musical yeah. shit. Um, so the oh. choir teacher wants right in the beginning he's just a Spanish teacher mm-hmm. and he wants to start devoting more time to the choir and his wife is just like you can't I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and to just fake a pregnancy and yeah. there's. Uh, yeah, one of the students in the choir is uh, a girl who's pregnant, and so the teacher's wife does want to steal her baby. <laughs> wow, huh, man? I, you know, that's fascinating. Yeah, like I think actually the thinking about season two and that specifically that like birth plot line, I think that's the closest it comes to the the idea of exploring other horror or horrific ideas that's present in the in the source um because that is like largely pretty self-contained and does not necessarily have like she's not zombifying any people she's just sort of like taking these women stealing their kids and fucking killing them um and it's it's like good shit like she i really that's the <laughs> like the queen's character in season two in particular like definitely the the reveal at the end that she has her own machinations and there's like kind of conflicts with her, and her dad um is is set up as as to establish her as more of a character than like this is the queen or whatever in season two she becomes like a a significant player on the the chessboard of like on the Game of Thrones, um, in a way where she is not in season one, and like because because not just because not not just because of the sort of horrific shit she gets up to, but like because of the way that she makes very concerted power plays against her enemies and people in her life who are like useful as allies currently. Like that is some of the premier shit in season two. That's why I like love it. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I like season one, but I do think, um, like, format-wise, I know I'm sort of in the minority on this, but I really don't like six-episode TV seasons. Um, I feel like you should tell your story as a movie or as a real 22-episode season, um, and just, like, making it a six-hour season uh, inevitably is going to make it feel really slow and just, like, a movie that's way too long Mm -hmm. um, with the pacing and... um, I definitely think it would have benefited from, uh, you know, if you're not going to make it only two episodes, then you should put in some fucking Xena shit and have the villagers be like, you need to do this this week. Yeah, I think think you're right. I think this could have been cut down to, like, four episodes. I think that would have been tighter. Uh, you could not pay me to watch a 22 season show ever. Like I've done that. It's it's been a huge sink in my life, and I actually like hate those kinds of stories. So unless they are more anthological, like like you're talking about, um, yeah, I I think season two justifies like its length, and because a lot actually occurs and happens, and there are I think more smartly crafted set pieces like laid against. Like the action versus the, like the the physical action versus the political ideological, uh, you know, like the mind game action of whatever is like being matched against one another. Um, yeah, I, 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 but at the same time, part of me is like, 
I think that they could have fleshed out, like, specifically, I cannot remember his name, but, like, the bandit character who fires a rifle or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, there is, there is more shit that you can do with that guy. We get, like, one fucking flashback as to, like, oh, he, like, came from this village that was, like, very poor, and it was, like, yes, he explained that to us already. Um, yeah, you have that type of character where, like, the interesting thing is supposed to be how mysterious they are. It's like, wow, there's so much you don't know about them. And it's like, okay, like, yeah. I'm not going to be, uh, you know, it's like, you need to tell me stuff so I can be intrigued. You can't just be like, ooh, what's his deal? Yeah, and I think, like, that actor does a lot with what little he has to work with. Like, I, I like his performance and his character and the way that he plays it as, like, He's not very aloof, I would say. He, he like, is hiding things about himself and his past or whatever. Um, but in more... I, I, I don't know. He, he's more, I guess, um, angsty than, than he is, like, brooding. If that distinction makes sense. Like, he's less, like, I'm so haunted and I can't <laughs> open myself up to anybody. It's more just, like, he's, like... Yeah, man, I'm fucking pissed off all the time because, like, my my whole fucking family died or whatever, and then I had to eat them, and, like, and and so I'm just sort of pissed off at the world, and I have very little time for uh, people or conversation, I think, is, like, ultimately a much better execution of that trope than, like, sort of the, like, huh, I'm a cool guy. <laughs> like, uh, uh, so I do enjoy the way that that character, like, is played or whatever, but I think a similar thing is is the issue with um, Subi. Like, she has very clear ties to the doctor who, like, knows all this zombie shit or whatever. She's, I don't know, she's, like, a fun character because she's, like, very competent. And and so that, like, obviously because of, of like, the gender politics or whatever, that, that kind of, like, creates conflict in and of itself. And, uh... But, like, we don't get a ton... We don't really get a ton with her. She just sort of shows up and it's like, hey, use this fucking herb. Um, but again, like, season two, there's a lot... There's, like, a very interesting dynamic between her and Magistrate Cho, where she's the one who is, like, out of anybody, the most, like, willing to, to go, all right, I trust you with this. Like, please, I know that you can do the right thing. Like, I, I swear I'm not fucking wrong about you. And then he constantly is like, oh, but you're wrong about me. And it is like a very interesting dynamic. Um, and she gets to do more medical shit. And, and her relationship with the her, her like doctor teacher is explored in, in greater detail and stuff. And is like overall, like that's the thing. Like we, at the end of the day, we kind of keep coming back to that initial point of like, this feels like a motherfucking pilot. <laughs> like there are these characters that are established. Like she has a clear personality. Like we can describe her character accurately in detail we can do that with the crown prince we can do that with his bodyguard the bandit blah 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 but like there's very little until season two where we get to be like and here's why that's interesting within the dynamic of the show yeah i think the the book um even though i can see like not being into how trophy the characters are i do think there is like a benefit to characters being trophy where like yeah. they show up and you're like great i know who you are yeah, I know exactly. it's fun exactly and then this show, obviously, because it is much more subtle, needs, uh, you needed it to, like, go in a lot, it go into a lot more depth with the characters to get that same reaction of, like, great, I'm in, like, I, I understand, like, why I would be excited about you. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I, I think that, like, it sounds so obvious when you say it out loud, but, like, 
the show benefits greatly from all the zombie shit because it's a zombie show or whatever where like that has enough like momentum energy to it to like kind of string you along and same thing with like the political intrigue which like is is where the bulk of of what drives this show occurs zombies and the political shit it's not really necessarily the character stuff uh, which is like kind of a bummer, but again, like I think it ends up being more fully realized season two. Um, uh, uh, but like, yeah, just I don't know. Th there's the show is it like oh, it sings when when uh, zombies are on screen and they're thinking about like okay, these are a bunch of dudes with like swords and fucking. It takes thirty seconds to reload a, your single fire rifle because this is feudal Japan and like. They don't have like mini guns yet or whatever. Man, that's the coolest shit in this fucking show and why I, I really like it is that like I kinda get bored by something I, I have a problem with in modern zombie fiction is, is the way that it has sort of intersected with just how like obscenely militarized so many movies are now. Because I'm constantly like I'm watching World War Z or whatever, and they have like helicopters with miniguns, and I'm like, great, why are zombies a fucking problem at all? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, because you can just go up there, and then you can mow them down. Like, we have the bullets, we have the technology, like, we could do this. Um, whereas in this show, it's like, okay, like, a hundred zombies are out here, and we've got some knives. <laughs> like, what do we right. do with that? We're peasants. We have, like, farming equipment we don't we don't have military hardware how do we fight these people off yeah i think on a similar note it's being about like starving peasants is so interesting because um i mean i haven't watched that much zombie stuff but it does seem like a big thing about american zombie stuff is like we'll hold up in like costco we'll hold up in the mall like yeah. we have all these places where there's so much excess and you could theoretically just like eat twinkies forever and like never have to open the doors yeah um, and, and that's and that's what's good about like Things like Dawn of the Dead, where where like Romero plays plays with that smartly, where like yeah, they probably could stay in that mall for like as long as they really wanted to, and then they stay in that mall for so long they all kind of like start like losing their minds right, a bit, right. and it's like a good yeah. uh, 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 way to like marry the themes of like capitalist excess and like the way that it, I don't know like like, like mindless consumerism literally like rots your brain or whatever. Um, whereas this is like, you're right, like, it's, it's pretty much, okay, we've got, we've got the walls here, but, like, we're not safe in a house, because our doors are made out of fucking thin wood and paper, so, like, what do we, we, like, we have to hold the town, we can't, like, barricade a door to a, to a, uh, a residential home, you know? And they're not... They're not exactly constantly running from zombies because the zombies only come out when it drops below a certain temperature. But the um, I think what's interesting is that it's like even when it's warm enough, it's like we're still like starving, and that's yeah. still like a major issue in our lives. Yeah, just like man, like when with that that initial outbreak scene when they are like, "Holy shit, food!" and the guy's like, "Yeah, I cut up the cadaver. Don't tell anybody." <laughs> um, is like that like is a really brilliant because like of course of course these people who like haven't eaten meat in so long they've been like eating insects and grass i think is what they say um go fucking nuts and just don't question it 
And honestly, like, I don't think I would either. Yeah. Um, not to not to be like I would cannibalize or whatever that old that old hat, but I would. But I would fucking do it because I am hungry and I want to eat food. Um, I don't know. Like that's that's the thing. Is at the end of the day, like I think the most relatable characters are just like the people who they come across. Um, and and the author talks about this in the interview that I think, I don't know how well realized this is necessarily in either the show or the, the manga, but like, the author talks about how the, these like characters or whatever are drawing from the, the sort of just, I don't know, the eternal lunacy of conservatism and the pushback from progressives from that era to like reform the system within um and talks about how like this this series or the the point that is trying to be made is that neither of those things are a right answer even if one is like <laughs> the most annoying kind of correct technically correct um <laughs> It is, it is that the power should be in the hands of the people because they are the ones who like ultimately suffer the most because sure, we can spread more food or whatever, but but the system that created the starvation is still there or whatever. And so the crown prince is not necessarily, and in this, and in this way, I think that the child character works smarter in the source than in the show, um, there than, than having them be an adult in the show is that the child naively does believe I can be I can do it. I'll be the guy. I, everybody else fucked up before me. I'm gonna be the one to take down the bat. Um, but and so it makes sense that a child would believe that. It does not necessarily make as much sense for an adult to be like, yeah, I mean if we keep this shit pretty much the same, like we swap out a few guys, things will get better, right? Um, and and the second season ender I think attempts to kind of reckon with that specifically in regards to the crown prince but like uh, ultimately I think that is the major thematic failing of the show is that like it does sort of lack the imagination necessary to be like actually what we should do is we should just kill all these fucking <laughs> right. magistrates and scholars and blah 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 like these people who intentionally um either through direct action or complacency, like, let the starvation happen. Um, it does not quite have that that bite or that thrust, which I think... I mean, how often are we ever going to get a real piece of fiction that ever yeah. does that, you know? Yeah, I think not to be too simple. <laughs> I think that's such a common problem with sort of political fiction um, and is probably a big part of the, the reason the Game of Thrones ending was disappointing, too. It's just, like... I think people do back themselves into this corner where it's like, because you based it on like comparisons to our reality, you get to this, you back yourself into this corner that's like the very obvious thing is like, we have to kill all the leaders because they're too corrupt. And then you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but then aren't, but aren't we just as bad as they are? No, no, we fucking aren't. Um, yeah, I, I think that this show slightly elides that problem by the by virtue of the fact that it is like historical fiction and uh after um the the progressives or whatever took power in south korea 
they did not go, all right, maybe we should get rid of all this. <laughs> the, so, like, by virtue of that, it does very slightly, very slightly, kind of, I don't know, glance off that problem. Um, but yeah, in general, I think the the commentary is very smart, and I love, uh, they, do just, they just do such a good job of making the politics very directly related to the problem at hand. Um, a part I love is when, like, the obvious, like, common sense thing to do is, like, they have to, like, destroy all these bodies because the zombies are going to rise again, mm -hmm. and they're just like, but you can't, you have to be respectful to the noble people who died. Yeah, like, you can't desecrate. can't destroy yeah. them. If nothing else, I think that the depiction of villainy is, is really strong. Like, Lord Cho is a fucking great villain. He is so just abjectly cruel in his bones and and yeah. that plays out really really like again i know it keep going back to this yeah. old you know sticking point but like it's really well realized in season two and here he's largely just kind of a, a like a conniving prick and you can tell that like he has ill will for just he's just like a deep-seated misanthropy you know uh that allows him to be powerful in his way um but like yeah like all the shit with with um the queen even even like her guard and shit like that where it takes a lot of convincing for anybody who works directly with and for uh the nobility to to understand the zombie problem and treat it as a problem um and then they actually have to fucking deal with it. like again like i know like game of thrones or whatever but like in game of thrones they mostly don't have to deal with that. Like, I don't know, Cersei and, and, and uh, the, the, her fuck brother or whatever <laughs> get crushed in a, like, a bombing or whatever. Yeah. Um, they don't really have to ever experience firsthand the, the like, apocalyptic threat. Um, in this, every single person, like, sees a fucking zombie and is in danger by them very directly and, and often is, like actually touched by it i it, like lord cho in in particular um if i if i'm remembering yes and i am remembering correctly um there is actual i don't know sleeping in the bed that that was made uh in in a in a meaningful and direct way as opposed to like i don't know like the the assault on the fucking dragon horn or whatever yeah. that city was called um yeah i don't know just I definitely rewatching season one kind of took a little took a little shine off of it. I think it is relatively well contained. Um, but I definitely think that this show is like has complicated problems that it is at least mildly aware of and attempts to address, but at the at a certain point within the functions of its genre, like it 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 simply cannot and does not, you know? I don't know. Do you have, like, a favorite scene? Any shit like that? Uh, do I have a favorite scene? I do really like the guy with the scene where the guy uh, starts selling talismans that he says will protect from zombies. I'm, I'm just, like, a sucker from that trope because it's just such a strong memory in my mind of after 9-11 how they were, like, selling American flags everywhere oh, and just being, yeah, like, yeah. what a weird fucking response to this. God. <laughs> what a dumb... I'm so lucky because I'm 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 younger than you, yeah. 
And so I was like, I was in first grade when 9-11, oh, this is fun, we can have a 9-11 chat on the podcast. Um, I was in first grade when that happened. (laughs) No, I was in second, and I remember this very distinctly, because I had this hippy-dippy-ass uh, uh, second grade teacher who would do moon readings, and he was oh he was the, he was a um, he was very into uh, Native American culture. One of the, one of those like white guys with like long hair, and it's like well I am into the culture, so it's like cool for me to like wear a headdress, right? Um, and he would do these moon readings, and so nine eleven happened, and I was like oh boy I'm gonna get to miss school because yeah. uh, uh, I was in D C and the Pentagon got oh, hit, and so everybody Jesus. yeah I know, and so everybody was like. Uh, oh shit, maybe they'll target this, I don't know, like, this school, ooh, yeah, you're right, you're right, the Murray School is exactly a target priority, same level as the Pentagon, um, fucking idiots, and so, uh, uh, we had this moon reading, uh, uh, like, nighttime, and it was, like, a week after, or whatever, and my teacher goes, and it's been a very sad day. And all the parents like immediately were like, what happened? Like did, did 9-11, did the sequel to 9-11 happen? <laughs> and, and he was like, today is the anniversary of the death of John Lennon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, sorry. I, sorry we got away from it. You said 9-11 and I'm, I, you know, I'm like a dog chasing cars, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, like, I guess to go back to what we were talking about earlier on with like the differences culturally speaking like I think that is kind of what marks a difference here between this and like more western or like US specific zombie fiction is I feel like zombie fiction in the US is always like a flashpoint event like it's like oh shit the outbreak is happening everything is chaos immediately Whereas this is much more of a chaos is like a ve- ultimately is a very slow spread, and you can't stop it. Like at the end of the second season, they pretty much deal with it. Like they they create a system by which they can contain and eradicate this thing as effectively as they can. Like it's not like a th- there's like a big teaser for season three, which I'm very very excited <laughs> for. Um, and I think that's the major difference here is like, if you think about it, like, okay, 28 days later, wakes up from a coma, shit's fucked. 28 weeks later, um, literally like one infected guy, uh, or he kisses his in- infected but like immune wife and then gets infected and then immediately everything goes to shit and they fucking firebomb mm-hmm. London. Um, uh, uh, Zack Snyder's Day of the Dead. On, I, um, IMO, his best movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she's sort of, like, there's sort of the, the um, you know, the newsreel footage thing of, like, whoa, people, weird rabies, like, people are fucking fighting each other for no reason. And then she wakes up, and, like, the entire neighborhood is, like, on fire. Um, or even, what's a, one more, one more for the books. What's another one? Um, Shaun of the Dead. Like, they are watching TV, they, you know, they have a night at the bar, and then suddenly everything is, like, the zombies are everywhere. This, like, sure, yeah, when they eat the fucked up soup or whatever, everybody gets infected, but the ultimate, like, spread through the nation or whatever is at a very deliberate, like, it's at a slow pace. It's not, oh, shit, there's zombies, and now the whole country is zombies. It's, like, we're 
pacing this out because this is how an infection spreads this is how people move this is where things operate like there is a much and again like a much stronger mechanical realization of the nature of a zombie infection um in this than i think in most western zombie fiction which is just like oh you wake up and then everything's a disaster and it's that's that's very like everything is 9-11 to us now <laughs> you know yeah. But, and yeah, it's interesting because I think like that doesn't necessarily like reflect our reality of just like it being like, well, there's zombies, so everything's different. And I think like we have definitely learned that it's like, no, I'm like gonna have to go to work no matter what. They're yeah. gonna be like, you're coming in tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like I'm very excited for for us to figure out global warming and in, in, <laughs> in an equitable fashion. Um, yeah. Um, I feel like that's a pretty good note to go out on. Um, let's yeah. Let's see more about Kingdom I think uh, that's good. Uh, let's rate some stuff. Um, I am going to give Kingdom of the Gods three and a half stars. Uh, it's a re- just a really fun, uh, quick read that's yeah. just, like, very snappy and got a lot of cool violence, uh, that I really enjoyed. Um... I'm gonna give the show Kingdom three stars. I'll, I'll probably rewatch it again, but I think on the initial watch, it's just a little slow, um, but still very, still very good. Um, and I think I'll probably enjoy the second season and even like rewatches of the first season more now that I'm sort of like oriented and care about stuff uh, and won't mind so much uh, it being slow. Uh, how would you like to read them? Um. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna flip it and reverse it on you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that the the book, three stars, very thin. Um, like I like you know like you said, cool violence. I think the paneling and the art is like really nice, um, and and largely very legible, which like sometimes not always the case. <laughs> um, particularly because it was adapted from a webcomic, which I think. Very not. I'm, I'm not a, like a total expert, but I feel like some web comics don't necessarily um, have action read as well as this one does. Um, and then I will give the first season of the show <laughs> three point five stars for for all the reasons that you just said. But I think overall, I would give the the show show like four, maybe maybe a horny four point five, <laughs> um, because I think that that second season really like ties a lot of shit together in in significant ways and has a lot of just fucking knockout cool shit in it. Alright. I'm definitely looking forward to watching more of it. Um, then for my recommendation, um, I, I really wanted to think of something that would not be baby-brained, but I just keep coming back to this, I guess, because I'm not that familiar with historical dramas or zombie things. So I'm going to recommend Avatar The Last Airbender to fans of the manga. Uh, obviously very similar because of the kid protagonist mm-hmm. and it has this, I think has the kind of like snappy funness of the manga more than, uh, than uh, Kingdom. That's fair. Uh, am I recommending a book or a motion picture? A book. A book. Fuck. <laughs> Shit. Um, let me... I'll I'll just take a shot in the dark and say because I believe Mob Psycho is a uh, manga adapted for the screen anime. I'll recommend a, a, a property <laughs> called Mob Psycho One Hundred. 
Um, it is a. It is also about a child. So many stories about childs. <laughs> Why? Um, it's about a child who has severe anxiety and depression, and is also um, potentially the most powerful uh, psychic being on the planet. Like, like can lift shit with his mind and stuff like that. Um, but he's also like a pacifist, so he does not. It, it's kind of about putting this character with immense godlike power against um, other people with immense godlike power but nowhere near his ability but he just like doesn't want to fucking use it on them because he hates himself and he hates that he has this power he does not want it he does not want this responsibility and he doesn't even want to like be alive really um, and, and how he struggles with that and how to like realize and accept himself I think it's a like Beautiful. It is a beautiful, touching story about uh, uh, the nature of, I don't know, depression and and knowing thyself, you know? So I'll recommend that. Love it. And what would you like to plug? Um, every now and again, and hopefully this will, this will come back with regularity, um, I was on a podcast with two other people on this network, uh, Eric McAdams and Liam Sr., and we do, like, a dumb show called We Are Experts where we sort of just, I don't know, like, fuck around and make each other laugh, um, where we pick a topic we don't know anything about and we talk about that. Um, and the other thing would be that I uh, release, or I put up, like, songs and shit on SoundCloud so you can find, um, they're, like, little, like, acoustic guitar things I sort of just put on my phone, record it in my bed, and then just put it up there uh, and that would be soundcloud.com slash a lamb's voice e-l-e-u-m-s voice and you can follow me at <laughs> sorry at a lamb underscore ebooks same spelling you just heard thank you everybody and you can follow this podcast at chapter surfing you can follow me at lenny burnham and thank you for listening falsehoods do you want to learn the not truths do you want to go to hell join eric mcadams alaya plotney and liam senior as they go to hell we are experts <laughs> is a podcast on the major cast network each episode we take a topic we know nothing about and speculate wildly till our hearts content and then they sort of learn a little bit about the real topic at the end but not too much just a little tune into we are experts wherever you get podcasts, whenever we feel like posting it. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.